Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. So, if, if your kids have all had bandages and, and band-aids that are this big, your kids are really alive, and that's really cool. Um, it, it's really kind of funny to me when when Ross pulled those out that it's really kind of exciting for kids to be able to see things that they know and then can get a, a lesson about what God has done with something as simple as a, as a Band-Aid. And guys, listen, our God is a God who wants to heal. And our God is a God who, who cares about you and cares about little boys and girls with skinned knees. And as much as that is something that moms and dads get to go and deal with, it's also something that God is, is interested in. Every part of your life, God is at work in. I hope you know that. Because this morning we're going to be sharing about one of the other works of the Holy Spirit. And that work is comforting the fallen. Comforting folks... That, that have a heartbreak or are broken. It is the Holy Spirit's, normally when we think of the Holy Spirit, we don't think of Him as, as being that one that does that work. But it is His other work. It is the work that He puts you and me in the middle of so that we can have a guide and one that will encourage us to go ahead and do work that God wants us to do for His name and His glory in order to go and help. We're going to be sharing about that this morning. So I want to ask you a question. And this is not a rhetorical question, okay? I really want you to answer back. We'll take the first five answers. And again, if you answer quickly, the sermon goes quickly, okay? If you don't answer quickly, guess what? All right? Pack a lunch. Here we go. What do you do to help someone who is burdened or in sorrow? What do you do when you know someone is is burdened or, or hurting or in sorrow? What do you do? You pray, okay? Okay, hold on. Food, okay. What else? You encourage them. Great. Pardon me? You know, I'm getting to the age where I can't hear anymore. You visit them. Okay, good. You love on them. All right, guys, there are wonderful things that we can do. I was kind of pinning down some that I have seen you all do in our church when we've had had someone that has suffered a great loss. Here are some that I came came up with. And some of them cross over to what you, you, you talked about. You bring them food, okay? First Baptist Church is a full gospel church, okay? In other words, if you have something wrong with you, they're going to bring you food and you're going to be full by the end of the day, all right? Now, we also are a full gospel church in the right sense of that word because we believe the Holy Spirit is working at all times in your life and mine, provides us the gifts to be able to, to do the work that God puts on our hearts. Guys, food is a wonderful, wonderful thing to help, isn't it? Amen. It is. 
Second thing that, that I kind of noticed you all doing, you pray with people. You pray with them. Guys, listen to me. A few months ago, Jeff Nobles, who, who this is his livelihood, dealing with people that are in grief that, that are in sorrow, shared with our deacon body some tips on what you can do to go ahead and help folks that are going through a really tough time. And guys, listen. As a pastor of 40 years, I can remember there are times that when you go and you're with people and they're so stricken, and these are Christ followers, these are people that are, are deeply, deeply walking with God. And yet, at, at that moment, God has told me in my spirit, hold off Clyde on prayer for right now. And you think, well, wait a minute. God would never do that. God sometimes will go ahead and say it's not about not doing spiritual things. It is about waiting for His Spirit to get in front of us. Okay? Everybody up, nod your heads. You understand what that means. In other words, we, we oftentimes think, you know, if somebody is hurting, I need to go with them and pray with them about it. Guys, there may be times they're not ready to pray yet. But what you can do is pray for them. And that's the time that you and I have with God one-on-one -on -one and simply saying, God, I have no idea what's going on here, but I want you to help. And, and use me to be a part of that help. And the third thing that I noticed, and this was one of the coolest things since I've been pastor here. What are things you can do for somebody that, that is in burdened or in sorrow? You can mow their grass. You can mow their grass. There was a young man here in our church He's now long grown up and, and out. And when he found out that a family friend had lost her husband, he got in his truck. Actually, it was his dad's truck. He loaded up his dad's lawnmower, and he drove over there, and he mowed the grass. And you know why he did this? Because that man had mowed his grass and taken care of his lawn, and it was one of his prized things. He loved to do yard work. And the grass was already grown. It was on a Thursday. And he got home from school and he got, got in his dad's truck and he put the lawnmower in the back and he, he drove straight over to this lady's house because this guy mowed his grass every Friday. And guys, listen. When we think of things that we can do for folks that are burdened or in sorrow, those are all good things. Doing things always is good. It helps us deal with somebody else when we see them in pain. And guys, I want to share with you, all of these things bring relief for a time. And they demonstrate care. And they are all driven by the one that draws you and me constantly to the Father. And that is the Holy Spirit. God wants to use you as part of His work in comforting others, in, in finding folks, and, and guys, listen, we are surrounded by people in, in our friendships and in, in this little town and at school who are broken. And as Ross shared a moment ago, sometimes you can see the breaks on the outside. Most of the time, people put an 8 by 10 glossy up and say, I'm not going to let anybody see me in pain. Because if they do, I'll be vulnerable and somebody might take advantage of that vulnerability. Guys, listen to me. 
in the family of God, in the church, we never, ever, ever shoot our wounded. If we do, we become a community organization rather than God's people. What we must do when people are broken or hurt or in sorrow is help God, help the Holy Spirit's work of binding that person up and caring for them. And listen, if it is a hurt that is a heart hurt, then we as the people of God become the redeeming work, the redeeming people. And by the way, the word redemption comes from a wonderful Hebrew word that means I buy you back. I'm paying the price to buy you back out of whatever you're in. Guys, Jesus spoke to his disciples and his followers about this very thing. And when he spoke to them in John's Gospel, chapter 14, he shared with them not only about the fact that he was going to die, but he also shared with them the fact that there is one that is coming, the Holy Spirit, that will be doing work in your life and mine. As we share scripture this morning, I'm going to invite you to stand as we read it together. We do this because we honor the reading of God's holy and perfect word. This is found in John's Gospel, chapter 14. Read with me. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And after a little while, the world will no longer see me. But you will see me. Because I live, you will also, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. <clears throat> when Jesus wrote these words, and spoke, uh, when John wrote these words, and Jesus spoke them, he was affirming some real biblical truth. Among them being, God is going to go ahead and equip you and put you in a place of people that are broken. People like you and me. Everyone in this room has at one time been broken. If you are a Christ follower, you've had your heart broken. You've had your heart broken. Because Jesus had to break that part in you so that he would be able to come in and do the necessary work in your life and mine to make you like God wants you. And guys, listen. The Holy Spirit is the comforter to your spirit, and He's the comforter to your spirit at all times. Jesus is speaking to these followers about the things that are to come. He mentions again His coming death and what will happen afterwards. Through the next two chapters of the book of John, <clears throat> Jesus is recorded as teaching on the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is clear that the Spirit of God will not leave you and me. Just as He promised 
And listen, it's a promise that in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, it talks about the fact that God will never leave you or forsake you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to go ahead and turn his back to you. But instead, he has a mission for your life that you're to fulfill. And guys, because he does this, I want you to go ahead and take a little trip with me over this past week. Here's what I want you to do. Think about the last time you were frustrated or angry or discouraged, and it happened this week. Okay, when you figure that out and you remember that, I want you to smile. Okay? Waiting for the teeth, waiting for the dentures, waiting for the gaps, whatever it is. Okay, great. I see most of the smiles and some people that are lying and saying, nope, that didn't happen to me this week. Okay, if you are not going to admit that that didn't happen to you, it happens all the time. All of the time. Guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember what it felt like at that very moment. Kind of try to take a backtrack in your mind. What was the feeling you had? It was that nothing seemed to help, at least in the immediate sense. There was a sense that the emotion was anchored in your soul. At least that, that's the way it is in mine. So how do you get past this feeling? While, while having a friend help does make a difference, it is God's Spirit that weans you and me from the self-indulgence of our hurt at whatever happened. In other words, listen. Because of whatever happened in your life and mine this week that caused these emotions to kind of start gearing up, God doesn't want you to stay stuck in that little place. He wants you to be able to move on. And guys, listen, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, as He comes in and begins to go ahead and operate in your life and mine, guys, listen to me. Please hear what I'm going to say. If you're here this morning and you are not a Christ follower, you'd say, Clyde, if I died right now, I'd split hell wide open. There's no way that I'd get to heaven because I don't believe yet that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. Guys, listen. That's the only way you get to heaven. You don't get to heaven by joining a church, getting baptized, or being religious. It is a simple faith declaration in Jesus that He died 2,000 years ago on the cross for your sin and mine. Guys, listen to me. If you're here this morning and say, well, that's not me, Clyde. Here's the wonderful truth of God's Word. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is working in everyone's life in this auditorium today. Oh, by the way, everybody you see, God's Holy Spirit is working on. Everybody you have ever seen in your life, God's Holy Spirit is working on. He is either working to draw, He's doing the primary job that the Holy Spirit has, which is to draw you and me to God. And for somebody that's not a Christ follower, He's drawing you, He convicts us of our sin. Yeah, I know I did that wrong, God. And I'm sorry. But he also goes ahead and begins to draw us, if we are a Christ follower, closer and closer to him. So that we begin to imitate and mimic what we know Jesus did. Guys, listen. The last time that you were angry or frustrated or broken or hurt, God knew about it. And he knew why. And sometimes what he does because He will not forsake you or leave you, is He will begin to work from that point in your life 
and slowly and methodically and systematically begin to deconstruct the idol, not something stationary, but something we have worshipped that is not him. And that idol many times can be, I like to stay hurt because at least I feel something. Have you ever felt that way or known someone that was like that? I stay hurt because of something that happened in my life, because of what someone did in my life. And as I stay in that little place, the Holy Spirit begins to go ahead and carve away at that little idol, deconstructing it right and left. The Holy Spirit can use you and me as part of the work of comforting others. When you are, you have been broken, He doesn't say, now you know what that feels like and you can help someone else that's in the same mess. I have heard that so many times from folks that would see a heartbreak in your life, and they would say, well, now you're going to know how to minister to somebody like that in the future. And guys, listen to me. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That is not the reason that God puts and allows things to happen in your life and mine that are destructive and hurtful. How many times have you as a parent said, I'm going to go ahead and let my kid drive without a seatbelt on? I'm going to go ahead and let my kid go ahead and jump off of that cliff. It'll teach them a wonderful lesson right about the time they hit. No parent would do that, and your heavenly Father doesn't do that either. The difference in this is when you and I suffer through things in our lives, it's not to prepare us to be ministers about that later on. It is to allow us to go through it, to draw closer, hopefully, by the Spirit's action to God. And listen to me. There may be a time that God uses a circumstance or an experience that you have gone through, but it is not to go in and help somebody else. Listen to me. It is always to bring Him glory. As that person is drawn to a relationship with Christ, as he draws closer, look, when bad things happen, it does one of two things in your life and mine. It either drives us away from the cross or it will drag us to the cross. And you and I have a choice, a choice, a free will choice of which one that will be. When you think about that last time that you were frustrated or angry or discouraged, God was at work around you at all times. And, and guys, listen, remember last week, we talked about this. God is in charge of everything. He uses all things in your life to reach out to you, to draw you to a closer relationship with Him. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is able to bind up wounds and heals up hearts. That's one of the jobs He does as a comforter. Think of the last time that you were in the hospital, okay? Or you went to a hospital to go visit somebody. While God gives great skills to doctors to treat injuries and illness, the primary caregivers are not physicians. The primary caregivers are who? Yeah, 
Here's Donnie there with his wife, Wendy, going, nurses, that's us, nurses. We're the guys that after the surgery is over, after everything is done, who is the person that comes in and checks on the wound? Who's the person that comes in and makes sure that you're still functioning and eventually bringing you to a functional state? It is the folks that are the caregivers that are the nurses. Guys, we have a heavenly Father that the Bible says through His Son Jesus who bore stripes on His back. Isaiah says because He, he bore these on His back, you and I are healed. And guys, that healing doesn't just mean on the inside as Rosh talked about, a heart healing. I believe that God still miraculously heals today. And we can't even go ahead and explain it. Now guys, listen, I don't think it's like what you see on television. Somebody walks up, somebody goes, healed. Boy, that hurt. I'm awake now. I'm awake for the next hour. i got a lot more to go. It's, it's not getting smacked on the head and told, stay baby. It is instead, as God begins to heal, it becomes something that people look at and go, i got no explanation for this. It must therefore be God. And as the Holy Spirit draws you and me to that conclusion that God is really doing work, then you and I, as Christ followers, have the chance to partner with God as part of that healing and comforting and caregiving, thus making food, mowing grass, Praying with someone and for them. You see, God's Holy Spirit doesn't want to do all the work. God, in fact, what He allows you and me to do is partner with Him to do His work, not ours. And because of that, <clears throat> His Holy Spirit binds up those wounds and heals the heart. He does exactly that. While Jesus works as the sin physician, the deliverer of the healing, the Holy Spirit, does the continuing heavy lifting. And as He does that heavy lifting, it is something that will begin to bless you and me because we get to participate in what God is doing. In addition to that, the Comforter won't leave you alone. When Jesus spoke these words to the disciples and followers, He said, I'm sending you one who will be with you always. And He said, I'm not going to be with you always, but I will be with you always. This isn't double speak. Jesus' physical body was going to be hung on a cross for your sin and mine. And when that happened, and when He was buried in, in the tomb, a borrowed tomb, And when he was raised three days later, and as 400 people around him saw him alive again, knew what had happened, and all of them kind of went, oh, how do we explain this? And then as he was taken up in Acts chapter 1, the Bible says as he was taken up, and again, Acts 1 is Jesus being taken up. Acts chapter 2, the Spirit coming down. The Spirit of God then began to use the disciples. And by the way, remember these disciples. At the Garden of Gethsemane, they're all around Jesus. And as Jesus is being arrested, what happens to the disciples? Gone. These aren't an organized bunch of people. 
They're scared to death and they take off. And as they leave, the Jewish authorities thought, we finally killed it. This whole Jesus stuff, it's all gone. We got him. We'll have the Romans kill him. And then we're done with him. How's that working out 2,000 years later? Instead, the Spirit of God began to embolden these disciples that had fled into a group that were willing to die for what they knew was true. That's why Jesus said, I'm going to deliver to you the Spirit of truth, realness, authenticity. And as He does that, God is relentlessly, relentlessly in love with you and pursuing you constantly. He will never leave you or forsake you. And thankfully, He will not leave you in misery when you are broken. Instead, what He wants to do is go ahead and draw you back. He will fight off the mundane things of life that steal our attention away from God. Think about this. That past week when you said, okay, there's something that had been bothering me and my reaction, my emotions, my feelings were all in a jumble. And as that was going on, God didn't simply say, I'm going to leave you right there because that's a good place for you to be. What He did instead was begin to try to draw you through the actions of His Holy Spirit and through others that are involved in doing what God wants them to do. And He begins to draw you to pull you out of that. Now sometimes we get that feeling and we go, I don't want to go yet. I don't want to go. I like being right here. And guys, listen to me. When you meet people that are like that, that are stuck in misery, what do you do? Somebody mentioned it over here. I don't know which one of you all did. You love them. You don't nag them. Because nagging them is not going to move them. What will move them is what God wants to do in your life and mine every day. And that is let get enough room for God to have room to operate in your life so that we don't end up going in and saying, hey, that person just said, I just did this. It must be of God. Guys, you'll know when God's in charge. Because He doesn't ask your permission. He doesn't ask it. He asks you to join with Him. But He doesn't ask our permission for Him to do work. Do you know the difference? Huge difference here. That's the reason I share that with you. The mundane things in our life, like mowing grass, oftentimes become those very labors when we are broken that seem too much. And that's the very place that you and I can go ahead and plug in. Here's what I want you to do. This is the place. This is the place that you and I can come in. Many times you will hear of a tragedy or a person that is in, in pain and think, what can I do? And too many times we simply tell that person, let me know how I can help. And they never do let you know. So instead I want you to do this. Try this. Ask God what the real need is in that person's life. Ask Him to kind of funnel you down in your thoughts to what the real need is, is for that person or that family. This is the place that God may take you to remember a similar event in your life 
Guys, I'm talking here about things like when we lose a loved one. And everyone in this room has lost or will lose a, a, a wonderful person in their life, a person that they are intimately close to. And when that happens, if you've gone through that grief, you know what did and did not help. And as God takes you back there, it's not so that you can help somebody else. It is to help you remember so that you can be used by God to help in His plan, not ours. And so you begin to ask Him, what is the thing that I need to do in order to go in and help here? God will take you to remember that similar event in your life and remember what your heart really yearned for at that time. And whatever that is, do it. Food helps. Cookies especially. I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. Why cookies? Listen to me. Many people who are deeply in depression don't eat. Okay? If you provide them something that is small, it doesn't look as intimidating as a full meal. Now, as a diabetic, I'm going to tell there, as a diabetic, if something happens grievously in my family's life, do not bring me cookies, okay? Or okra, or Brussels sprouts, or anything like that. You instead go ahead and let God begin to take you on the journey because this is the reason that God wants to draw you closer to Him while you do the work that He has planned for you. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Instead, the Holy Spirit seeks to grab you and grow you and grace you through the presence and with the presence of God. Since God is faithful, the Holy Spirit will faithfully be spurring you on to go past your normal stopping place in serving God. And He will give you comfort when you have completed a task and will eventually get you to the place where you don't seek the glory about what you did to help somebody else, but instead you can simply, without a word, when someone says, hey man, thank you for doing this. What on earth caused you to do this? You can just simply point. Soli Deo Gloria, wonderful Latin term, to God alone the glory. It begins to take and tear apart you and me from being the person doing it. And instead we become the vessel that God filled to accomplish His purpose. I share this with you because there's a great story about a little Scottish dog. And he's known as Greenfriars Bobby. And there's a picture of him. There's a statue for him. Greenfriars is over in Edinburgh. And it's right next to Knox, the Knox, John Knox Presbyterian Church, the very church that, that the Scottish theologian John Knox actually preached in. And the, the, it, as in most European churches, there's a graveyard right next to it. And it's called Greenfriars. That was the person that actually gave the land to go ahead and have the cemetery there next to the church. It is in an urban kind of setting, okay? And this little dog, when his master and owner passed away, was terribly upset and began to follow everyone. 
when, when they took the body from the home and took it to the mortuary to begin that work, the dog followed and sat there. When they brought the, the dog into church, the dog clawed at the door to get in. Now, please hear this. Here at First Baptist, I in, 12, in 11 years, I've never seen us have a dog in here yet, okay? All right? Doesn't mean we won't, but when? Oh, yeah, the guy that was, the, oh, yeah. Okay, we've had a dog in here. You don't even worry about that, all right? So here's this little dog trying to get into church because there's a funeral service going on, and it's his master. He just wants to be close to his master. And afterwards, as, as the casket was taken out in the cemetery and it was buried there, the little dog had, had come up and refused to leave his master and, and would come every single day, was adopted out by another family. Every single day that dog would come back to that grave and sit curled up on that grave. And so Scottish people being sentimentalist, built a little statue there of this little dog. And if you notice on that thing, you got to kind of look at it. Do you see something different about his face? What's the part that's different? People in Scotland, when they go to visit this, will go up and rub the nose of the dog, pat the dog, because they, are, they were moved by his faithfulness. Listen to me, folks. God is faithful. More faithful than a faithful dog. And He faithfully wants to go ahead and use you and me as His instruments of comfort. But guys, before He can do that, He has to bring you comfort to know that your eternity is secure. And I'm not talking about, about getting religion. I'm talking about Jesus coming into your life. Because apart from that, all we've got is a statue of a little dog who, by the way, wasn't a Christian. I, I know that's hard. You and I go, well, my dog's going to make it to heaven. I don't know. I do know that God says every bird that falls from the air, He knows about. And I think heaven would be a wonderful place for a couple of dogs that I know. But we got no promise in Scripture of that. What we do have a promise of is that dog was faithful. Faithful. And he began to be used by God as an image of what God is like, and listen to me, what He wants you and me to be like in comforting brokenness. And it only starts with a faith in Christ. That's the beginning point. For some of you here, that's the very point that God wants you to receive this morning. His Holy Spirit is already working in you, calling you to Him. Make your answer yes. Pray with me.